0: Uh, Father, we do thank you once again for the opportunity that we have, Lord, gathering here and looking forward to what you're going to do. And so, Lord, I do pray, God, that as we as we kind of go through this section where where Paul is just a little bit serious about what's being said about him what's going on behind the scenes lord i pray that we could glean from him and understand that lord our circumstances and and things around us yeah they're real but god we need to look at life through that lens of who we are in you so i pray that you would you would just pour deep in our hearts some good biblical truths here this morning so that as we do life, we won't, get, we won't get derailed by life. But we will stay focused and walking with you. So I pray you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it seems like as we get into this chapter, it seems like something's going on behind the scenes and Paul feels like he needs to address it. There's some stuff being said. And, and in my mind, I feel like Timothy has made it to Corinth. He's kind of caught up with Paul, and he's let Paul know some of the stuff that's going, back, going on back in Thessalonica and kind of opening that up. And bottom line, they're saying, some, they're saying some pretty harsh things about Paul, so he's going to address that. And a lot of what's going on in that culture at that time, there was, there was so many different uh, they had different gods, different ways of worshiping, they had different things going on. And they had a lot of religious charlatans, kind of like today, where people come in and do things. And, and although it was, you know, I think it was on a much larger scale than what we have here. Obviously, there were those who were coming in, you know, with, with bad, quote, teaching about their gods and some of that, but then also, they had where they would come in and have these huge orgies in the name of religion. And then they had people ripping people off for money, which I think is gonna happen till Jesus comes back, where you have people you know, just doing things and, and ripping people off and taking money from them. Anytime I think about that, and I think about people doing that in different religions, I think of, I was in India with Danny Turner, and we were doing some ministry, and uh, this day we happened to be in this this village. In India, you have to remember, a village is about like four to 500,000 people. That's a small village, and we're in this village, and, and we go in this little store, and this guy came in in a monkey suit, literally a monkey suit. And the shop owner said, you gotta give him money. And I go, no, I don't. And he goes, yes, he's a god, and I go, He's a guy in a monkey suit. And he goes, no, he's a god. And I go, no, he's a guy in a monkey suit, and I'm not giving him any money because I know better. So when I think of that, whenever I think of charlatans and people ripping you off, I always get that picture because the guy was like hopping around. But anyway, that's what's, a, so there's people ripping people off big time. And part of what I under part of this I understand, listen, those who weren't even part of, even the the cults and the different things going on, when they saw what Paul did, here's what happens. They relate Paul to that. And then they begin to, here's what he's doing to you, and here's what's going on. Now, Paul is going to defend that. Now, he's not so much going to defend it, trying to defend himself. He's defending it so that their faith doesn't get train wrecked by what's going on. I don't think Paul really cared what people thought about him. I don't think he was caught up in that, and and we'll see some of that. But he is caught up in, if you bring me down, then you bring that church down. And that's what he's defending, and that's what he's taking care of. So as we work through this, I want us to understand something. Paul's biggest tool in this, his greatest strength in this, is that Paul looked at himself as a child of God. You can say what you want about me, but here's what I know. I'm a child of God, and everything in his life was looked at through that lens, and you know, I want to get to that place, and hey, I know, listen, I know as a Christian, I'm biased about things, because I'm a believer, because I believe the Bible. I'm going to be biased. It's like, duh, that's okay, and I know, listen, I know I see things through certain lenses. I'm praying my lens is clear, and I'm seeing through the lens of I'm a child of God. So Paul defending himself and and coming up against that. So the first thing he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Interesting thing. He will say, you know, or something to that effect, or even implied. In these 12 verses, he's going to say it six times. What does that tell you? They know, right? He's repeating it over and over. And here's what he's saying We were all there together. You guys know. It's not, hey, you don't have to guess. You know, you know that our work with you, that our labor with you was not in vain. Listen, he's not saying, I didn't waste my time. He's saying, you know what happened when we were there together, as you were born again, as your life was changed. You know, you don't have to guess about it. It's not a question. You know that. So listen, I think that's important just to start with. Hey, you know something happened in your life. I think as believers, we should have that kind of confidence and understand. If people question what, you know, something about our faith, we need to say, but here's what I know. I know I'm born again. I know I was saved. I know that the blood of Jesus uh, covers my sin. So he says, here's what you know that work was not in vain. And then verse two, but... Even after we had suffered before and were spiritually or were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Paul says, Listen, men, when we came to you, like we didn't come from great victory, we came from getting beaten with rods. We came from being humiliated publicly by the people in Philippi. So kind of think about that. Now, I think, I think some of us, maybe myself included, if I got treated that way in Philippi, I might whine about that a little bit. I might spend a little bit of time like, well, not Paul, listen, Paul says, hey, that happen? Doesn't matter. I'm coming to Thessalonica with that lens, right? Not the lens of, I was mistreated here and had a hard time here. I come with the lens. What does he say? That I'm in God. God has entrusted me with something, and I'm going to see it through to the end. doesn't matter what happened in Philippi. So, And for those of you who don't know what happened in Philippi, once again, Acts chapter 16, if you haven't read it yet, shame on you. You need to read it now, and you need to understand. Listen, it wasn't just that he was arrested. He was beaten with rods and he was publicly beaten with rods. And he came from that and he came to Thessalonica and what did he do? He shared the gospel of Jesus Christ didn't slow him down, didn't listen, man, not even a hiccup. Whenever I think of Paul, man, I think of this guy that just was not, he's just tenacious about planting churches and sharing the gospel, and nothing's gonna deter him. So he says, hey, you guys know our labor with you was not in vain. You know that when we came from Philippi and how we were treated, we came and we didn't do what we did in our own strength. Check it out. We did what we did in God through Christ working through us. He's the one that made sure that the gospel was given. For verse three, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit, but we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. So Paul brings up some things that were said. Number one, the first thing that was said was what they, were, what they taught was wrong. It was error. It was not right. And he goes, hey, we didn't do that. We came with a message from God, not something we made up, not some man-made thing, not some guy in a monkey suit trying to do something but we brought you the word of God, we brought you the truth. And when he says then also he says listen, our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness. That word uncleanness has to do with the sexual immorality that surrounded these other religious practices that were going on. And he says we didn't have any of that. You guys know we didn't, why? Because you were there. That wasn't going on. We weren't doing cult prostitutes and we weren't having big orgies. You know that. And then the last thing he says, listen, the last thing he says is, nor did we come with this exhortation in deceit. We were up front. We were perfectly clear about what we were doing, where we were coming from, and what was going on. So those are the negatives. Then in in the next verse, he gets into the positives. He says, listen, but we have, first of all, been approved by God. I kind of like that, right? When you're doing what God wants you to do God's way, you know that you're in a good place. You know it's okay. And here's what I found, and nobody can stop you. Oh, people can come against you, but they can't stop you. Why? you're approved by God. I love that idea. I love the idea that, and I think, listen, I don't think that just happens by osmosis. I don't think it just happens because, hey, I'm a believer, so everything I do is approved by God. Most of you would know that's not true, right? Nod your heads like this. But when you're doing things for the Lord and you know it's in his will, again, I think in some ways you're you're almost unstoppable. And Paul says, listen, I know what I did was approved by God. Why? Because I did what God wanted me to do. I was in his will, knowing that this is what he wanted. You guys have heard me share before. Listen, if we can get to the place where we understand, well, I'm getting ahead, so I gotta, wait, I gotta go through this. So, in, in just a minute, listen. He says, we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests the hearts. What does he say there? He says God made him a steward. He entrusted him with something. Do you understand in this generation right now that God has entrusted us with this tremendous gift called the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul says, I'm a steward. It's not mine. It's not something I invented. It's not something I have. God entrusted that to me. Whenever I read that, I think, as, as a pastor, I think, wow, God has entrusted me with something. I surely don't want to mess it up. And then, you guys have heard me say, listen, all we are are vessels that God uses, right? And I like to use this analogy. We're just hoses. And I've, I've checked. I talked to my hose just the other day. And my hose didn't answer me. My hose didn't get up and go, "Whoa, I am an awesome hose. My hose is just a hose. And if we would get that heart that I am just a hose for God, he's entrusted us with something. He's going to flow through us. That's Paul's view. That's what he's looking at. He says, listen, God has done this. And then here's what I love, man. Listen, I've been approved by God. I've been entrusted with the gospel from God. And I'm working not to please men, but to please God. I have to tell you from a pastor's perspective, from a pastor's teacher's perspective, it is a hard thing not to get to the place where you want to please men. You gotta fight that all the time, why? I like to be liked. I think most of us like to be liked, right? We like people to like us. And it's hard not to do things so people will like us. It's hard at times to give the truth of God out that we know is gonna offend some people and hurt some people. But you have to fight that, why? I would rather be approved by God than pleasing to men. And that's what Paul's saying, and here's what Paul knows. He came in there with the truth and the truth disrupted things. Hey, they didn't just say bad things about Paul when he left. They said bad things about Paul when he was there, right? They came in, they wanted to arrest him. Once again, read Acts chapter 16. So he knows that. And his heart, his motive is just to please God and do what God says. John Stott says it this way. I love this. Listen to what he says. He says, we speak, therefore, as men who are tested by God, approved by God, trusted by God, and are seeking to please God. No secret of the Christian ministry is more important than its fundamental God-centeredness. I like that. You see, if we stay God-centered, we're going to be okay. And that's what Paul's doing. And so I know some of us are saying, dude, I'm never going to be a pastor or something, so I don't really care about this part. People are going to say things about you. How are you going to respond? How are you going to react? Are you going to get God lens on or are you going to respond and react in the flesh and kind of blow something up bigger? Hey, we are all responsible to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we're always talking. Our witness, we're going to see in a moment, more is our life than our words. And we need to understand. So Paul says, hey, you guys, this is what was going on. And then verse 5, one more time. Listen, for neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor cloak Uh, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is a witness. Do you notice he keeps going back to God knows my heart? Here's what I found in 30 plus years of ministry. I can't read people's hearts. And people can't read my heart. But God can. And I think we spend way too much time trying to read each other rather than just being with each other and doing life together and growing and representing Christ? Listen, do you hear over and over what Paul's saying? I'm approved by God. God is my witness. God entrusted me. Once again, this God-centeredness, he's looking at everything through this lens that he's a child of God serving god and other things can happen he goes listen i didn't use flattering words and flattering words here doesn't just mean he wanted to flatter people he's also saying hey i i I didn't use words to get a position or to get into a place obviously not right they ran him out of town so so that's kind of obvious but he says listen man god is my witness i remember several years ago i had made a decision. And somebody disagreed with that decision, which I think is fine. If somebody wants to disagree with a decision, that's fine. We can come and discuss it and talk about it. But this person came and just really got my face. And they were telling me how horrible I was. That's always fun. That's just such a joy. And they're telling me I'm a horrible individual, I'm a horrible leader, and I had just made the worst decision anybody could make in the history of ministry, just about. It was about that bad. I'm listening to them, and I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be polite and nod my head. And they got all done, and I said, are you done now? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, here's what you need to know. I'm accountable to God for that decision. He's the one who is going to judge me for that decision. I'm willing to stand before him. Not so much you, but I'll stand before him because that person was so angry at me. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not implying I'm not accountable to them, but I was trying to let them know God is my witness on that decision. I didn't do that decision out of impure motives or, or whatever is in your head right now. I will go before God. That's why Paul's saying, listen, God is our witness in what we did. Verse six, a little bit more, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles. Listen to what he's saying. I didn't look to you for validation. If you're gonna be in Christian ministry, which we're all in Christian ministry, right? Don't look to others to validate what you're doing. You will be sorely disappointed. You got to look to God to validate what you're doing. And once again, I think way too many of us were looking for others to, oh, validate what I'm doing. Oh, give me your approval. We got this whole Facebook thing and, and Twitter and Instagram and all of that, that that I think gives people some false validation and stuff. And they're always looking at How many, how many friends do you have on Facebook? I keep telling you guys, they are not your friends how many likes did you get? The big thing right now in pastoral ministry, because of COVID, a lot of people, we went to live feeds, we went to live on Facebook, we do the YouTube thing. Now the big thing in, in some of my circles are, how many likes are you getting on YouTube? You know what I tell them? I don't know. I don't follow me on YouTube. I don't, I don't like to watch me. So i going to follow me. And so, listen, that's, a, that's the big thing that people are doing. That's the wrong place to look for validation. Our validation as believers comes from Jesus Christ. Comes from him, and that needs to get in our hearts. So, so listen, man, here's what he's saying. He's going, we didn't look to you for that. And then, and then I even love this. Listen, He says. he says, we didn't do any of that, but we might have. Why? Because we're apostles. And we came in there, and don't you think Paul would have the right to demand a little bit of respect? I think so. I, I think he does. I don't think he ever did. But, I you know, wouldn't you love to have the Apostle Paul as your pastor? Whoo, that would be so good. Who's your pastor? Paul. Who's your pastor? John. Well, we got Paul. And you guys got Peter. Sorry. But listen, then, listen, Paul says we could have have done that, right, as apostles. Now, listen, now he's going to shift from here's what was kind of said, here's why it doesn't bother me, here's why we're not going to, you know, hash this over. Now, listen, here's what we actually did. So this is what was said we did, but here's what we actually did when we were there, as you know, right? So once again, look at verse 6, but we were gentle among you just as nursing mothers, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Wow. I don't think there's a picture that you could paint that would describe gentleness and care more than a mom with her newborn baby just that bond and that love. And here's what Paul says, that's what you guys were to us. We came to you just as a mother, just as a mother with that little newborn infant a couple weeks old. Look at what a mom does. I you know moms, man, they they coddle them, they take care of them, they do goo goo stuff with them. They're like and here's what Paul says. That's how we cared about you. Not necessarily that's how we treated you. That's how we cared about you. We had that kind of care, that kind of compassion, that kind of love. I, I, listen, man, what a great picture, right, of a pastor's heart towards people. And he says, listen, and then he says, so... Verse eight, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. So he says, listen, just as a a mother cherishes her own child, he says, man, listen, we even now affectionately long for you, but we were longing for you. And listen, we wanted to impart to you not just the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think it's easy to share the gospel. I know some people don't, but it's just words. It's hard to share your life. It's hard to open up and be real in front of people. And I believe in the 21st century and 21st century Christianity, I believe we've lost that. We think it needs to be something we just like spit out and people... Why don't you invest in people? Why don't you take some time to get to know them? I think the strongest form of evangelism is this thing called, and I don't like to put labels on things, but friendship evangelism where where you go to people and you show them you're interested in them. You care about them a little bit. You spend a little bit of time. You find things. Hey, what are you interested in? I always try and find, listen, I try and find things that I have in common with people rather than things that I don't have in common. I want to build bridges into their lives. So I find something and start talking that way. And you start conversations and and you start asking them things. Now some people, listen, some people get really mad. I remember one time when we were in New York after 9-11 and we were doing some ministry and we were in this, uh, uh, I think it was a Starbucks, this little coffee house, I don't know which one, but we're sitting there and a guy came in and we started sharing with him and start talking to him about the Yankees and I got to be really honest I'm not a baseball fan but that was a common thing right and the guy I was with was a baseball fan so we start talking to him and it's going really well and then we started telling him about Jesus and he goes oh you just talked to me about the Yankees because you wanted to tell me about Jesus yeah you're right and then that's kind of bad. So listen, it sometimes needs to be a little deeper than just a just a quick conversation. But here's what Paul says. I invested my life with you guys. I think church planting is a hard thing to do. I think it's difficult, and I think especially in the 21st century. I think it's hard, whether we're talking culturally here in the U.S. or whether we're talking in... in uh, other countries, developing countries, maybe some of the the unreached places. It's hard to go in and build relationships and be able to build into people's lives. That takes time. And hey, my hat's off to those people who go into those areas and spend years building that relationship so that they can plant a church. Now Paul, here's the thing, Paul did it in months. I don't think he was there over three months, and I think that's exaggerated. But he says, I poured into your lives. You guys know, and how did they know? Well, look at. he goes a little bit deeper here. In verse nine, he says, for you remember, brother, and there that thing is, right? You remember, you know? Our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. uh, We preach to you the gospel of God. Here's what he's saying. While I was there, I was working. Right? Paul was a tent maker. He had that skill. And when he would go to places, he would make tents to support the ministry. And here's what he's saying. I wasn't one of those charlatans. I was with you and I worked night and day. I don't think he means, I was working 24 hours a day and I'm so tired. I think what he's saying is, listen, we supported ourselves. We didn't ask you for anything. We didn't ask you for nothing. All we asked you was to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we were there, that's what we were doing. Listen man, this guy's heart is amazing. Now I think the night and day thing might mean I worked during the day, I shared with you during the night. But I supported myself and we're there together. And it also means this, we were kinda doing life together. Again, in our, in our culture, that's hard anymore. I mean, we don't, most of us don't even know our neighbors' names, you know, in, in this generation. We, we kind of live in isolation, and, and, and that's kind of difficult. We, we don't do life. I think the closest we get to doing life together is this thing called the church, where, where we gather and we start serving together and doing things and getting to know one another and, and interacting with one another. But here's what Paul says, man. We were hanging out together together. Now I don't think I'm I'm not in favor of Christian communes either. I think you do that, you're gonna have more problems than than not knowing people. So, but here's what I say, man. We were there, you saw our lives. Do your neighbors see your life? We may not know their names real well, but my whole neighborhood knows I'm a pastor. They know what I believe. And I think that's important. I think it's important for my life to be a witness to them. They can look at me. They can say things about me. I don't know what they're saying about me, but they can say things about me. Hopefully, they're gone. He's a good neighbor. But listen, are we doing that? That's what Paul's talking about here. So not only, listen, not only did he witness with words, he witnessed with his life and then he says this, you are witnesses or you know, right? You are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. Now listen, Paul uses some different quote adjectives or adverbs depending on which, which translation you have. But he's just talking about, listen, I lived a good life in front of you. I think our lives should be lived well in front of the world around us. Listen, not as a in your face, look how good I am, but as a in your face, this could be you. Live a good, righteous life in front of people. Not self-righteous, righteous. righteous. Live a life that is going to reflect Jesus Christ to the world and let them see him in your life. And that's what Paul says. you guys know. Because you remember, you were there. How did we live? Can you say that to people you work with? Can you ask your coworkers? Well, what do you think of my life? Some of us are going, no. Think about, can you? Can we go in your neighborhood and ask? Well, what do you think of them as neighbors, no? <laughs> We should have that witness, shouldn't we? We should have that in front of us so one person's honest in the whole church, so. (laughs) But he's saying, listen, live that way. That's how we lived. As you know, verse 11, now he changes the example a little bit. As As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every single one of you as a father does his own children. Oh, first, first he says, We're like that mom who cares, right? And that mom who is concerned and coddles and makes sure that that baby's taken care of. And now he says, listen, we're like that father who exhorts, who encourages, who quote, pushes us to do things. I love, listen, I love both of those illustrations, right? And he says, You guys know, you guys know when we exhorted you, you know when we told you, you know what we were pushing you, and we were pushing you. And what was he pushing him towards? Look at, he says, He says, As a father does his own children, verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul's purpose, his motivation in Thessalonica and every place he went was one thing build believers not necessarily to build churches build believers and when you build enough believers you have a church and not a church building but you have a you know a group of people who are serving and Paul says don't you guys remember hey we exhorted you not only did we exhort you man we charged you we comforted you isn't that what dads do good dads and he's saying hey this is what we did Now, listen to what he says. He says, we did that, why? Because we wanted you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Oh. Aren't we part of his kingdom right now? That's what my Bible says. Now, I'm not into kingdom now theology, but my Bible says spiritually, I'm seated in the heavenlies. Spiritually, every gift that there is is already given to me. And here's what Paul says, walk worthy of that. Begin to be people. Listen, you're not arrogant, you're walking worthy. You're letting others know. Nothing upsets me more than when I talk to somebody and they tell me this. They'll say, oh yeah, I'm a believer, but you know, I'm really not that excited about this whole Christianity thing and this whole Christian thing. And you know, when I get to heaven, I'll get excited. You know what my answer is? Because I'm, I'm that coddling, caring, nursing mother. Here's my answer. If you're not excited about Jesus right now, what on earth makes you think you're gonna be excited about him when you die? And then they get big eyes and walk away. Isn't that true, though? If you don't wanna walk with God right now, what on earth makes you think you're gonna walk with, wanna walk with him when you die? I don't think there should be any big change when we die from when now, other than a change of venue. But our hearts should be the same. And that's what Paul's talking about. I want you to walk that walk. I want you to walk that walk that's worthy. And I love this whole idea of him who calls you to his own kingdom and to his glory. God, God wants us in heaven, do you know that? And he's saying, walk that way right now. Again, not in arrogance, not, even Paul says, don't go around saying, I'm a king's kid. Go around saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. Here's a challenge that I have for us, some of us who have been around for a while. The next time you're interacting with somebody who's not a believer, why don't you just challenge them with this, say, hey, you know what, I just want you to know, I've been walking with and studying Jesus for, let's say, 12 years. Tell them that. I've been doing that for 12 years, and I would really like to share some of what I've learned with you. You want to hear it? it? That, isn't that going to open some doors? Now, some people are going to go, no, but it's okay. But do you hear what I'm saying? Instead of telling somebody you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're going to go to hell, blah, 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 why don't you just, like, have a conversation with them a little bit and walk worthy of Him who calls you to his kingdom. Listen to how Jesus evangelized. You know who Jesus, we all know, who did Jesus get the maddest at? Religious people. And well, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be religious. We want to be people who are genuine. So get get everybody, get a new pair of glasses and get those God lens is in there. I'm a child of God. I'm going to look at the world through that lens. That's going to be my filter for life. And I'm going to understand better the things that are going on around me. Listen, it's not that those things aren't going to happen, but I'm going to look at them from a whole different perspective and be able to deal with them in a godly fashion and in a good fashion rather than in my old fleshly way. That's what Paul is trying to implement in his, in his life here, and then also the fact that we are born again headed to glory. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do, I thank you so much, God, for your word, and I thank you for the challenge. I think of, I think of this guy we call Paul and all that's going on, and Lord, how he doesn't allow circumstance to govern and validate or invalidate or, or move him. He allows his position in you to guide and direct his life. So I pray that we would glean that. I pray this morning we would get a hold of that for our lives and we would not be people who are, are, are hung up on this happened to me or that happened to me or this didn't work out or this didn't go right but we would be people who keep our focus and our our attention on the glory of God and who you are. And then we would change the perspective of every one of those things that has come about in our life and we can better deal with them, better handle them. So have your way in our hearts. I know that your desire is to change us and move us. And I'm gonna ask you to stay now in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, man, today is the day to do it. And, and uh, right now is the time to do that. If you're here and you've never done that, here's what I know. A lot of this message was like, I don't get that. I don't understand that. And that's because you're not born again. The Spirit understands the things of the Spirit. And you have to have the Spirit of God. So, if you're standing here right now, kind of not relating at all to what was written here in 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 the word, today is a day of salvation. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you've come to this church for 25 years. If you're standing there today realizing you need to be saved, call on the name of the Lord. By that, here's what we mean you need to come to the place where you can admit that you're a sinner. I think that's hard to admit, it's not hard to understand. All of us have sinned, I I think everybody gets that. But you gotta let God know you know you're a sinner and that you've sinned against the holy God. Not so that he knows, but so that you know. And then you have to come to the place where you're sorry for that sin. Let him know, tell God you're sorry. And then ask him to forgive you. Your sin has separated you from God. Your sin has earned you the wrath of God for eternity. That's what happens when we sin. The good news is Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he paid that penalty. He paid every ounce of it. And now he holds out to you this receipt, this ticket that's just paid in full. Saint, all you gotta do is grab a hold of that and your life will be changed So if you want to do that, say this prayer with me here this morning. Let him know that right now, God, I want salvation. If you're watching online, say this prayer at home. If you're backslidden, come home, come back to Jesus. You can say this prayer with us. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.